Would you pray with me? God, we give you thanks for the gift of worship. Um, Those tingles we feel in our body as we hear an amazing message proclaimed in beautiful song. Um, And Lord, we're on a journey. We want to learn to worship to participate even more with our own hearts and minds as we sing, as we engage. And so we ask, Lord, um, during this Advent season that you would help us to draw closer to you um, as Advent progresses and we get closer to celebrating your birth. To that end, Lord, I pray that you would pour upon me the gift of preaching that my very frail and broken and human words might, by the power of your Holy Spirit, become your living word uniquely crafted for each and every one of our hearts. We pray it with great confidence. We pray it in the name of Jesus, the baby born in Bethlehem. Amen. Well, on this second Sunday of Advent, we heard the Erskine family share today's Advent theme, which is love. And the story of Christmas that begins with the angel's announcement that we heard Julia read just a moment ago is the story of the breaking in of God's long-held love, an earthy, real, authentic, sacrificial love. For Jesus' birth is the first chapter in the actualization of John 3:16. For God so loved that he gave even more, he became one of us. If you take only one thing away today from this service, remember this. From Jesus' precarious birth to his willing surrender to death, this expression of God's love is particularly vulnerable. God becomes one of us in order to save us, doing whatever it takes, even sacrificing his own life. All because of the great love God has for us. This is the very heart of this Christmas story. Last week, in response to this amazing news, we talked about how everyone who was involved in Jesus' birth story worshipped. And the first to do so that night were the angels. And this week, our focus turns to the shepherds. Larry Parsley writes this, God, who loves all people, all people, seems to have a special place in his heart for shepherds. Bethlehem is the hometown of King David, a local shepherd made good. Psalm 23 says that God himself is a shepherd. And now in Shepherdsville, a different kind of shepherd will be born. So it makes perfect sense that the shepherds would get a backstage pass to the birth of the shepherd, the good shepherd. Here's how the story unfolds. We've already heard part of it. This is J.B. Phillips' version, though. It says there were some shepherds living in the same part of the country, keeping guard throughout the night over their flocks in the open fields. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord stood by their side. The splendor of the Lord blazed around them, and they were terror-stricken. What would it have been like to have been one of those shepherds? To be terror-stricken in the most defenseless hours of the night? Well, a week ago, early Sunday morning at 1.34 a.m. to be precise, our fire alarm went off. 
you know, when you're awoken by that otherworldly, impossibly irritating sound screeching like a banshee. As Amy tells it, I was out of the bed before she even opened her eyes. I was standing at the little lighted keypad, and I'm trying to read the four-point type of where the smoke is coming from, right? And so finally the blind can see, my eyes clear, and I see that it's in the kitchen. So I run downstairs, and of course what? There's no smoke, right? There's nothing wrong. It's been a false alarm. So knowing all is well, right? I go back upstairs, and I climb into bed, and a few minutes pass, and slowly I'm calming down, breathing steady. Then I see the flashing lights through my bedroom window. My heart comes to a full stop. Oh, no. (laughs) While I was downstairs looking for smoke, I had missed the call from the alarm company. And when I missed the call, they, of course, sent the alarm to the fire station. And so I run downstairs as fast as I can in my sock feet, and I press through the door. I go into the side yard and I'm talking to the fireman and after many many apologies and very kind responses they leave when I finally get back to bed adrenaline is literally just pumping through my veins it is Saturday night right for me this is a big night for me I have to get up early in the morning even with my eyes closed I am wide awake Every sound amplified, every cell in my body attuned to my surroundings. That must have been what it was like for the shepherds that night. Things are silent, they're quiet. The sheep are bedded down, some shepherds are sleeping, some keeping watch, possibly sipping an adult beverage. Then... Suddenly, like a fire alarm, an angel appears, and with it, the splendor of the Lord blazes around them. I mean, I don't even know what that would be like. The splendor of the Lord, all in all God's glory, blazes around them, light in the midst of their darkness. Then, just as their brains are adjusting to an angel in their midst with a larger-than-life message about a Savior being born, even to shepherds, Just as their pulse is returning to some sense of normalcy at that very moment, the fire truck moment, pow, but a bang, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, a multitude of angels appear. And they're worshiping and praising God. They proclaim glory to God in the highest, highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. They're worshiping God because of this huge announcement that has implications for all of the universe. I wonder what language do they worship in? In this case, it's probably most likely Aramaic if they wanted the shepherds to understand them. Of course, we're familiar with the first line of what they say both in English and Latin, right? Glory to God in the highest heaven or Gloria in excelsis Deo. Why is it that so often the things that leave us terror-stricken happen in the middle of the night? I think it's because the physical darkness mirrors spiritual darkness. All throughout Scripture, darkness is a prominent theme that symbolizes the things that separate us from God, i.e., God being the light, 
These are the dark things. Human sin, unrighteousness, injustice, prejudice, hatred, the, arrogant, the, the arrogance, the lack of humility. The list is never ending. And each Advent, each Advent, as we wait to celebrate the coming light into a dark world, part of our waiting is to soberly make a fearless inventory of the continuing darkness within ourselves and in the world around us. That's part of our role in Advent, is to think about why Jesus had to come and has to continue to come because of the sin in the world. Dr. Andy Draycott describes it this way. He says, The context of Christmas is that God's chosen people who knew better ended up walking in darkness and following after the false gods of their enemies. Humankind was lost and in need of help. We have to face this awful truth that we are lost, that the world around us and even you and I walk in darkness. Our world is overrun with dastardly, power-hungry despots who willing to do anything to stay in power or even feel any sense of power are waging wars and wreaking havoc and destroying people's lives. Capital D, darkness. Then, of course, there's you and me. The darkness of sin lives in our hearts, too. And sometimes it's harder for us to face that part. We all struggle with self-centeredness and its ugly consequences. Most all of us struggle with some form of addiction. I mean, if you can't think of anything, you certainly could think of shopping, right? I mean, there's always something that we sort of feel, it makes us feel better, and we kind of get addicted to whatever that is. Starbucks? I don't know. There are things in our life, right, that we get addicted to, and they're not good for us if we can't say no to it. We mistreat others. We struggle with prejudice and Pharisaic self-righteousness. Yes, we too are lost and need help. And in the face of this, Ian Olson encourages us, we must tell the truth that will reverberate in every human heart searching for consolation. For every other school of thought will try to paint the world as not as bad as it seems. Christianity alone will insist, yes, it is this bad. And yet, this is not the whole story. No, thank God that he didn't allow our world to self-destruct, to just spin out. In response to the darkness, God is on the move. As Isaiah 9-2 says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. This is why the angels have burst onto the scene. This is why they worship. Finally, in this world filled with darkness, a light has dawned. The light of the world has come. Emmanuel, God with us. And as we sing each Christmas Eve, because of that, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in him that night. I don't know in that moment if the shepherds got all the light and darkness, savior of the world's implications. I know in such a terror-stricken state, I wouldn't have. But whatever part of the message they do understand, they take action. 
They go. It appears they leave everything. I mean, I don't know what they did with their sheep. I don't understand. They don't give us many details. They probably had to walk miles to get into town. There's little detail of all that transpired during the visit. I would love to have been a fly on the wall. But Scripture gives us a few hints. First, as they're leaving, whatever occurred caused Mary to treasure up all these things and ponder them in her heart. And second, the shepherds returned, Scripture says, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The shepherds' innate response is worship. And for you and me, the question is, what should our response be? It is so easy for us to get too accustomed to this news. If this story is true, and I think most of us believe it is, if this story is true, this is the most amazing story that the world has ever known. That God, because of his great love for us, would invade our planet, would come and become one of us, not just to experience humanness and life and death and know what that's like, so that he can empathize with us, but also that he came to save us from the darkness, from the sin that's not only in the world around us, but the sin and the darkness that's within us. Just as I said at the beginning, right, we long for perfectionism and we strive for it and we can't get it. It's a gift. God came to give us perfection, to make us perfect in Christ. What an amazing story. In the face of the good news that will bring great joy to all people, if we believe it, if we allow it to impact our lives, our response should be worship as well. I'm going to continue to to give us that opportunity. This morning we're going to sing a little bit as we close. I'm going to invite Eliza to come up. we're going to sing Gloria and Excelsis Deo, um, which you all know from the Christmas carols. And then we're going to sing um, O Come, Let Us Adore Him from, from um, O Come, All You Faithful. And my heart desire for us, and you know, I just want to continue to give you permission to experiment. Um, you don't have to kind of go, okay, what does it mean? I, I think so much of what I'm asking us to do and to grow in is when we're singing to really put ourselves in God's presence, to, to know that God is here. God is in our midst. And that we can sing these words to him. Glory to God in the highest. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Grow in this. Be teachable. See what God might do Right? Because I know this is God's heart. That's one thing I can be really confident of, is I know that this is God's heart for us. Right? And so the way it's going to work, I'm going to play, there's a little riff that I wrote that kind of goes in between, and you'll, I'll play it at the beginning. And then we'll sing Gloria and Excelsis Deo, and it'll go on the screen, you'll kind of see it flow. And then I'll play that little riff between each of the, uh, each of the kind of verses that we sing.
adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. privilege of gathering together to worship you each and every week, Lord. We love you. We thank you for all that you have done for us. May we glorify you, Lord, this Christmas season. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. And all God's people say, Amen. 